Hebrews chapter 12, verses number 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. And I don't believe we're going to go deep today, but I believe God's Word is going to do a deep work. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, we also, since by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. For the next few moments today, I just want to talk to you about my story. Everybody say, my story. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I have a story. Now turn to the other neighbor and tell them, you have a story. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. A story is something that just helps communicate a truth or something of significance that's happened, whether in recent past or long times ago. A story is a way to capture the attention of all of the hearers and those that are interested in things that would happen. Storytelling is something that goes back centuries and centuries ago because of the fact that it's the way that human nature, that humans have communicated. It was the best way that they could communicate. Even before they had written language, they, all, they always had the verbal language that they were able to sit around. And there was nothing more exciting than to hear an elder or to hear someone come back from maybe a battle. And they wanted to tell a story. They wanted to tell you, this is what happened. And so people from all over the towns and all over the countrysides would gather to hear of this story. And so people would show up and they wanted to hear what happened because it, it related to them. It was something that maybe they couldn't be in the battle. Maybe it was something that was just so grand that happened to them that they felt connected to it in some way. And so every great story always has this point where you connect to it. It has something that interests you. It has something where you relate to it. It has something to where you say, oh, that could be me. And, and how many Imagineers do we have in here? Those that just, maybe you listened, maybe you were a book reader growing up. Maybe you were the one that if you read a story, you heard a story, immediately your imagination just completely took over and it put you right into the middle of things and it allowed you to kind of see yourself as that character. I, I, I will readily admit that I was not a reader unless I found a really, really good book. It had to really capture my attention. It had to be about four pages long. Three of that were pictures. That was just how I worked. Now, my mind, I could see one picture, and they say a picture's worth what? A thousand words, right? So I, I figured if I read three pages, I read 3,000 words. I was doing great. I read all sorts of books then as a kid. But it was the idea that I would read a story, and immediately my mind would just begin to go. And some people now, psychologists call it ADHD. I call it imagination and enjoyment. Some people suffer from their mind wandering. I enjoy every minute of it. This is how this happens. But it's something to where you would read a story, or you would hear about it, and maybe even, not even reading it, but hearing someone tell a story. And immediately my mind would go to that place that maybe it was in a distant land, maybe it was somewhere centuries ago, and so I would be that pioneer, or maybe I would be back in, in the colonial days and I'd have my musket, and I was ready to go. Maybe I was the astronaut that was getting ready to launch into outer space. Maybe I was the monkey in Curious George. 
But no matter what, my mind was able to take me there because of the good story. It was something that I related to, something that maybe I even longed for that I had never experienced, but it was a good story. And so all throughout history, there's been good storytellers. We find some of the greatest stories that you'll ever read in the Bible. That this is how things were communicated because not everybody was always present. So they had to be able to relate the stories of what happened. This is how we have the recounts of Adam and Eve is because someone told their story. This is how we have all of the ideas of what happened to Moses and the Israelites walking through on dry ground. You think about it for just a moment and, and the story captures the attention of people. So much to the fact that it doesn't just capture the church community, but in fact, the stories of the Bible have captured even Hollywood itself. Because they said, well, this is something intriguing. They want to know about it. They want to figure it out. Because some of the greatest stories ever experienced were to watch a sea begin to stand up and part. And now over a million people begin to cross over on dry ground. And you imagine that as you're walking through every step you take, maybe you see a fish swimming right by you and he was your pal the entire way across. Maybe you saw some of the, some of the old shipwreckages that had, that had gone down years and years ago. And so now you see this right next to you and you're walking by seeing things that no one had ever seen before. You were the first scuba diver and you didn't even have to have all the equipment. You were able to walk right across. The story of David and Goliath, right? It's, it's the classic telltale of having good versus evil. The underdog versus the expected winner. It's a classic story that all of us relate to because it's something that most times we, don't, we rarely put ourselves in the shoes of Goliath. Because in fact, we always approach it that we're the underdog. We're the guy that nobody's rooting for. So that gives us hope that we go, great. There's, there's hope for me. I can kill the giant. And so we relate with the story, right? You think about Noah and the ark, and as you maybe walk through the St. Louis Zoo, you start to look at all the animals and you think, this guy floated with this mess. You walk into maybe the primate house and you kind of twinge your nose a little bit because you go, that's potent. This guy did this for a long time. It wasn't just a quick visit to the ape house and then he walked away. But in fact, that smell, and I'm sure the smells of many others, were in the boat. But you think about it, right? For all of the seafaring people that maybe you like to get out on the water a little bit, and you think that if a storm starts to roll up, well, we better, we better pull back in. Because our 16-foot our bass boat, maybe a pontoon boat, it's not going to handle this. Do we have any cruisers here? Folks that have gone on cruises at all? A few, few hands going up? Okay. Whenever you're out there, you think about it, right? That storm starts to hit, and immediately your mind's going to, this is the Titanic. We're all going down. <laughs> We're in the Caribbean. It's 70-degree water. It's 80 degrees outside, but we're all still going to freeze to death and die. Why? Because we've heard such great depictions of the Titanic and fewer great stories about perfect cruise ships that have sailed to their destination and made it back. Right? You don't hear those stories because the stories that capture the attention of the media and everything else, it's the things that don't go right. So it's always the stories that capture our attention. And so there's all of these fantastic stories and the stories didn't stop in the Old Testament, but in fact, they started to go through the New Testament. Jesus himself was a storyteller. That he would sit down, this is how he related with people. He would sit down with farmers and he would begin to talk to them about the law of the harvest. That if you sow, then that's what you're also going to reap. He would talk with them about if you're not part of the vine, then you're going to be cast out. He was a storyteller. He created this vivid imagery. And as he would begin to work with people, he related to them simply by telling a story. Stories 
are something that capture the imaginations and the hearts and minds of every age group. Because maybe growing up as a kid, maybe the story that you had was the three bears. Maybe it was the three little pigs. Maybe it was Little Red Riding Hood. Maybe it was any of the fun fairy tales that maybe captured your attention. As you got older, you started moving into maybe more science fiction. or Maybe you were a novelist that you loved to read all the big novels. Maybe you loved the biographies. And you learned to, to love all about all the things that you could hear about the great lives of people that had gone before you. But you still captured your imagination and your attention because you wanted to know the story. And stories even continued on into the early centuries that you had, you had storytellers like William Shakespeare. That he would tell stories through poetry and he would tell stories through this prose that it would capture the minds and the imaginations of people because they would come and they would watch some of these stories unfold. Maybe they would pick up a book or an article that he had read and it would just, it would just put them right in the middle of it. That they wanted to be that person. Maybe they wanted to be the one that was madly in love. Maybe they wanted to be the king that he wrote about. But it was still something that it just took them to a different place. You had some of the greater storytellers of our day that we recognize as Walt Disney. Wrote some of the most fantastic stories and he was imaginative. His mind just began to work in a way that it related with a kid. That he said, I've got to make this story come to life. And this is where some of the great classics of the Disney era have come from. Now we've migrated away from that and it's gotten a little weird, but we won't go down that path. That's another rabbit hole. That's a tangent off of Alice in Wonderland. But in fact, Walt Disney was, he was an Imagineer. He created, he wrote, he designed things that would capture the attention of minds like this, all the way to minds like this. Because if you've ever been to any portion of Disney World or any park that is oriented by Disney, the minute you step in, even as an adult, you immediately go back to this reminiscent childhood. And you think to yourself, this place is pretty magical. And you know, it's, it's weird to think as an adult, right, that you see a grown man standing there, maybe a tear runs down his face as he's watching the fireworks, because he thinks this is so fantastic. Never seen anything like this in the world. He gets on maybe Dumbo and his hands are lifted, and he, woo, because he's having a blast. But it's because he relates to the story. I related to the story of Dumbo especially. I'll let you figure that out. But it was something that you relate to these stories. You relate to all of the things that are written about. And this is what intrigues you. This is what captures your attention. It's the story of everyone else doing all of the great things. But you know what's so incredible about this? Is that while we love a good story. Because... If you ever had a grandpa or maybe that, that cool uncle or maybe even your dad or mom that would sit down and they would say, you guys want to hear a story? And immediately everybody would gather up because, yeah, 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 because he, he's a good storyteller. She's a great storyteller because it just took you right into the moment. And so you gather around and you would listen. I remember as a kid growing up, my dad would read the Berenstein Bears. Do we have any Berenstein Bears fans? All over the room, thank God. They were fantastic. And my dad, this is where I get my imagination and the creativity from, is while we would sit on his lap and he would read, I remember one of the ones where Papa Bear got sick. And so this was one of the, one of the favorite stories because he would read this book to us and we would sit in his lap and as he would begin to read and he would get to the spot where Papa Bear had to sneeze. And so he did all the great voices and everything and I didn't quite get all of that. But he would do some of the voices and Papa Bear would sneeze and he'd throw us off his lap because Papa Bear sneezed so hard. You can't do that now because otherwise child and family services will be all over you. <laughs> but he'd throw us off his lap and we'd run back and we'd run back and we'd go, read, read it again, read that part again. 
Because it took us into the story because Papa Bear was the big guy. Papa Bear was the big bear, so when he sneezed, it shook the house. But it takes you into a story. Right? And, and so we love to hear the stories of everyone else. We love to relate because maybe it takes you to a place that sometimes you wish you could be. Maybe it takes you to a place that maybe you used to be there. But what's so incredible about this is while God gave us a love for stories, He also gave each of us a story. Because the moment that you took your first breath, even before then, God already knew. Because David said, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he said, you knew me. He said, you knit me together. He said, that's why I'm so fearfully and wonderfully made. Because it's incredible that David himself, that while he was looking at this, how, that he was looking at how God designed him, David also reflected to what life was like around him. That he said, God, he said, you created the moon and the stars. He said, and you ordained this. He said, but who is man that you are mindful of him? He said, and the son of man, he said that you even visit him. He said, because you made me just a little lower than the angels. He said, and you've crowned me with glory and with honor. See, because God had this specific purpose that even in the midst of all of his creation, some of the greatest things that you can see even in our country, that you see some of Niagara Falls and you see the Grand Canyon, you see the mountains of the Rockies, and you see all of the beautiful seas and all of the things that God created. And we go to these places and we spend crazy amounts of money at these places. But did you know that the greatest thing, the greatest portion of God's creation was when he wrote your story? That's what he loved the most. It wasn't that he created the mountains because, you see, as he started to create the Grand Canyon, I, and this is my imagination, so jump on board with me. If not, then just, you know, we'll pick you back up at the next station. But I can see as God starts to create the Grand Canyon that maybe he takes his finger and just starts to run it right through that portion of Arizona. He starts to carve out some of the Grand Canyon. And then maybe he takes just a handful of water and throws it into it and watches it start running down. Maybe he starts taking a little bit of the clay and the dust and he starts making the Rockies. And then he grabs a little bit of snow from Antarctica and he just scatters it across the top. And then eventually he starts to go out to the seas and he starts to look at this beautiful sunset. He said, I'm going to put the sun right there so they can see it. And he starts to look at all of these incredible things and God goes, that's pretty cool. And this is going to make a great setting for the next story I write. Because you see, an author, they're constantly looking for ideas. They're constantly looking for the idea of that next big story. But the cool part about this is that whenever God designed humanity, he already had your story in mind. He already knew your story and your story and your story. And he knew all of the things that go along with it. Sometimes we flip to the next page. If you're a reader and something happens, you go, well, that guy died. You go, that, that took me by surprise. Or you go, oh wow, what happened here? And you don't always see it coming, right? But the author did. The author could have told you at the beginning of the book, this is what's going to happen. But in fact, God starts writing your story and he already knew it. He said, the Bible says that he knows the beginning to the end. God knows it all. He's, he's omniscient. So whenever he starts to write your story... He already knew how it was going to end up. But the cool part about it is he gives you the opportunity to make it even better. Because he starts to write it and then he says, now, he says, put your hand on the pen with me. And then every day you wake up, you start to make decisions and you start to make choices. And, and maybe, maybe it's going back to school and you, and you think to yourself, I, I really don't like this school year. I'm not feeling this school year. And so God says, he says, come on, let me, let me help you write a better story. 
He says, don't go into school thinking I hate this. Don't go back to college thinking I can't do this. But he says, let me help you write a better story. And so you start to create something that is so incredible that your story, while it may seem unintriguing to you, each of your stories, each and every one of you, it is the most incredible thing to everybody else because of what it has, because of what you possess. Because you possess something that is so fantastic. See, every story kind of has that hook that maybe you read it just on the back of the book and you start to look and it gives you just enough information that you go, that's a really good story. And so it, it kind of leads you in a little bit. For all of our newspaper readers out there that, that maybe see just a, an intriguing headline and you see that, maybe you're scrolling through social media and you see something, maybe you pick up a newspaper and you see that headline you go, I kind of want to know more. And so you look at it. God does the same thing with your life, that he's designed you and as he starts to write your story, there's so much intrigue to it to the world around you because there's something that they see in you that they don't see anywhere else. The minute you walk into school, whether it be elementary school, primary, college, whatever the case may be, you walk in and your story starts to shine this light into every part around you. And so they start to see it. But you see, God, he wrote your story specifically because he knew where you would be. So Alexis, did you know that God knew you would, that you were going to be in Highland High School this year? God knew it already. And so he started writing your story to make it to where they would be just a little bit more intrigued about what you were going to do. DeMonte, God knew that you were going to be out there in Collinsville. And he goes, man, I got to do some work here. I've got to write this great story because there's this other kid that goes there, redheaded kid. What's his name? Silas. There he is. And he says, he says, I may even make these stories intertwine a little bit. It's always great whenever a new character pops up, right? Because now you're like, oh, hey, who's this? And it's even better whenever they come along as a friend and not a foe. Whenever God introduces a foe, you're like, easy, easy. Can we write around this? But even better whenever someone comes alongside you. And so now, while Kelsey was in Highland High School all by herself, she was thinking, I really could use some help. Well, guess what? God wrote Alexis right in there, right at the right time. So now you have a couple friends that you can kind of go along with and you can kind of partner together with a little bit. And so the idea of this is that while you two are in Marine, God said, I'm going to do some incredible things. He said, just watch, watch what I can do. And he starts sketching the picture because I feel like as kids, God just gives us picture books. It's easier. And so he starts sketching out this incredible picture, and he goes, okay. He said, so you, he said, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. He said, once you get the Holy Ghost, now you can go to school. And people go, why do you do this? And you go, because I got the Holy Ghost. Duh. That's why I do this. And God starts to sketch this out, and I can still see some of the snapshots of you with your hands lifted and you're speaking in tongues because that's what God does. He gives us some of these pictures in our story that occasionally you're able to flip back a couple pages and you go, oh, that was really cool. I remember that. And maybe you go back and you start to reflect a little bit about some of your stories. But what's so incredible about this is God had this plan for you all the way through. That even before you were born, God said, I've got something really incredible. In Jer Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. He says, thoughts of good and not of evil, thoughts to prosper you and to give you hope. So whenever you took your very first breath, you probably don't even remember it. Your parents do. They were there. 
You were there too. You just don't remember. But the minute you took your first breath, all of a sudden something happened. And the minute you took your first breath, God's sitting there and he's waiting. And you go, and he goes, right, right. And he starts to write your story. And he says, and they're going to be great. And they're going to do some incredible things. And they, have the, they may struggle keeping the room clean sometime. And we'll work on that. They'll get better. And he says, maybe they're not going to be mathematicians. But boy, they love science. And that's okay, too, because we'll work through on this. Maybe they love history. And so we'll start to write this. And his pen, it can't hardly lift it from the page because he loves your story so much. That's what's so incredible is the God that created everything else around you, the setting, everything about it, all of the other characters that may come into your story, God says, I still love your story. And you think, well, how can God do that, right? Because if you ever asked a parent, do you love me better than my siblings? Immediately, they're going to tell you, I, I love you all the same. I love you all the same. I love you more while they're not here, but I love you all the same. Right? right? And you think about it, but... Every time you call God, he goes, yeah, yeah, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your story? Do you want to work on it? Do you want to work on your story? And so you wake up for school the next day, and immediately, God's sitting there. See, this is the cool part. He doesn't go to sleep, so he's just waiting on you to get up. He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, now, now. And finally, your alarm goes off, and you're like, uh, mom and dad come in, they shake, and you're like, uh, and finally, you get out of bed, he goes, and write, and he starts to write it. And he starts to look at what's going to happen that day. And maybe it's a good day and maybe it's a not so good day. Because when you have the Holy Ghost, there's really no such thing as a bad day. Right? See, mom and dad didn't quite agree with that yet because they say, I've had some bad days. But can I tell you something? We're going to ignore them for a second. While you guys have the Holy Ghost, as long as you have God living inside of you, there's no such thing as a bad day. Because even on the worst day, as long as you still have God, you can still make it to heaven. Do you know that? So even though things may seem like it's a total train wreck, you flip back to that one picture and you go, I got the Holy Ghost. And then you flip back to where you are right now and you go, it's going to be a good day. I can make it through this. Because as long as you have that inside of you, see sometimes, can I tell you, some of the older dustier books that are sitting out there right now, that we start to get, some of the pages start to get torn a little bit. And maybe the, the covers start to get a little worn. We look back and we think, you know, even in the worst days, God was still there. Even in some of the worst days of our life, God still had me and he brought me all the way here. Can I tell you something? Everybody that's here right now, every situation that they were in, they didn't die from it. Do you know how we know? Well, they're here. If they did die from it, we need to get them out. <laughs> but they didn't die from it. They made it through. Do you know why they made it through? Because God was writing their story. But you see, here's one thing. Is that sometimes we can snatch the pen out of God's hand. And we can try to write our own story. And it doesn't always go that well. It may seem like it's going to go well for a little while. But you see, God, knowing everything, says that he's the author and finisher of our faith. God says, if you let me write from beginning to end... It's going to be one of the most incredible stories that you'll ever read. And here's the best part, is all of these other people around you are reading your life. They're reading it. Every day they're turning a page and they're going, what's going to happen today? And they're waiting to see and they're waiting that maybe, maybe that kid that's in the classroom that you haven't really talked to a whole lot, but you see them all the time and they seem kind of interested and maybe they seem lonely and they, they don't have a whole lot of other characters in their story. They're waiting on somebody to go, boy, I wish they would just kind of come in. And now all of a sudden when you reach them, that new story starts up again. 
And so now you're able to start forging those relationships and you're able to start making new friends. Our niece started kindergarten this year and we were talking before we went with my brother and sister-in-law to drop her off. And, and I said, are you going to make a lot of friends? And she said, well, how do I do that? And I said, be friendly. And she goes, okay. Because it was really that simple. When you're five years old, to make friends... Be friendly. Smile. Talk to people. And you start to make friends. God's waiting to write new portions of your story. Because, see, here's the best part about it. And this applies to everybody. Because, really, can I, can I clue you guys in on something? Mom and dad don't go to elementary school, primary school, high school. Some of them don't even go to college all the time. But they still go to school every day. You know why? Because we're perpetual learners. We don't ever stop learning. Because every day I go through things that maybe I haven't gone through before. Maybe I have and I didn't learn the right lesson. And so sometimes I have to repeat. You ever had that problem? Yeah. Yeah, you keep saying 2 plus 2 is 5. And the teacher goes, let's try it again. And you have to keep working at it until eventually you figure it out. That was the most complicated problem I had as a kid. <laughs> Just couldn't figure out these digits. But you have to keep learning it. And so mom and dad, while you guys are going back to school... Mom and dad are learning some new stuff, too. You know who their teacher is? Life. Life. Sometimes it's the school of hard knocks. You may hear a parent or an adult say that sometimes. They're going to the school of hard knocks. And that means they've got to figure things out because life's just hitting them. And so they've got to figure it out. So here's the best part. Is if you are allowing God to write your story and allowing God to write everything just the way that it needs to be, no matter what chapter you're in. So how many first graders do we have? Do we have any first graders? One right there. How many do we have? Let's just go this way. How many do we have? Because otherwise we could be here all day. How many do we have in the primary school? Do we have any primaries? There's one right there. All right, what about... Oh, there's another one. The little hands go up. You have to look for those. They stick up about that much. What about the elementary school? Do we have any elementaries? All right, there's a few elementaries sticking up. Middle school? Do we have any middle schoolers? All right. What about our high schoolers? High schoolers, man, oh man. Do we have any college kids? Any? One. One. All right. So can I tell you that every time you go back to school, it kind of feels like a new chapter. You don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know which way the story is going to lead you that day. But this is why in Isaiah... God wrote, he said, I'm going to do a new thing. He said, so maybe you feel like the last chapter was really, really bad, and it left you in this really bad, dry place. God says, I'm going to go ahead and put rivers in the desert. He said, right whenever you think that you can't go anywhere else, God says, you don't have to go anywhere else. He said, I'll take care of you right where you are. That maybe you think, I can't figure out this math. I can't figure out this English. I can't figure out any of this. I can't figure out how to talk good. Okay? I just can't do it. And I ain't going to get it right. And you think to yourself, there's no way. And so rather than God pulling you out of school, Lana, he says, right where you are, he said, I'm going to make a pathway that makes it a little bit more sustainable for you to get through. He says, Destiny, he said, maybe you're having trouble figuring this whole thing out. And he goes, but if you let me work on you, if you let me help you just right where you are, he said, I'm not going to pull you out of the desert. But in fact, he said, I'm just going to lead you right through it, and I'm going to give you something to keep you going the whole way. 
because every new chapter poses maybe a new problem. We don't like those words, I know. But can I tell you, we're, we're not going to sanitize it. Life has problems. Do you know that, Dana? Life has problems. You live with your dad. You know life has problems. It's just part of it. God bless him. He pokes and prods. That's a problem because it makes you do weird things when he does. But life has problems. And so, Raquel, whenever you get to that problem that maybe it's biology, maybe it's chemistry or physics, maybe it's algebra too, and you get to that problem, you think to yourself, God brought me here. He knows what's going to happen after this. I don't think Algebra 2 has ever killed anyone. And that I know of. So I'm going to make it through. I don't understand how, but God's going to give me the way to do it. God's going to help me. And so he starts writing the next chapter of your life. But you know what's crazy is mom and dad deal with the same things. So sometimes, can I just help you out with this? Mom and dad need patience too. Right? You guys want patience, right? You want mom and dad to be like, okay, I'll be patient with you. I don't know why you did what you did. Really don't know why you did what you did. But let's talk about it. Mom and dad need the same thing because they're learning too. They're still trying to figure this out. Did you know you didn't come with a manual? Not a single one of you came with a manual. I didn't. The manual would have been that thick. And they would have had to change it every other day. So mom and dad are learners too. So if you go through life with this mentality that we're all having this story that God's trying to write, and God's trying to get me to the next chapter, he's trying to get mom and dad to the next chapter, and then can I tell you, you're a part of something so incredible, you're a part of the church. That is the most incredible thing that you can do with your life. It goes beyond college, and it's good. It goes beyond all of these great things that you could ever accomplish. Even some of the most highest, prestigious positions you could find still pales in comparison to say, I'm a part of God's church. This is one of the greatest portions of your story that will ever be written because it makes you a part of something so unique and it makes you a part of something so powerful that what happens is God takes your story and your story and he intertwines them together and he takes your story and he takes my story and he intertwines them together and now because of it we're made a little better because of it and so while you're going into a new chapter maybe mom and dad's going into a new chapter can I tell you the church as a whole is going into a new chapter God's sitting there with this book open and he's waiting to flip the page, but he's making sure that everybody's going to allow him to keep writing. Because the minute one of us takes the pen away, then he's got to scratch it out and he's got to start over a little bit and say, okay, all right, so we've got, we've got to rethink this a little bit because I wanted them to be part of this story. So that's why it's so important that you allow God to be the author. Because when God's the author, it works out so much better. It works out so much better. See, so, you know, the most incredible thing is that in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, it says that God is the author of life. God is the author of life. And maybe you have gone through life, whether you are 5 years old or whether you're 21 years old or 25 years old or 45 years old, whatever situation you find yourself in life as a learner, God says, even when it doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope, even when it doesn't seem like you're going to make it through that crazy hard test, maybe you're not going to figure out how to clean your room right. Maybe you're not going to understand how physics works. 
because I'm not a physicist. I can barely say it. That maybe I'm not going to be some great genius in school. God, I can't figure this out, and it feels like I'm dying. Anybody ever said that? Right? Sometimes we feel overdramatic, right? We're like, I feel like I'm going to die. And can I just help the parents out here for a second? That whenever you have a learner, that it feels like this is going to kill them. And they think they're not going to make it through. Can I tell you, that is a legitimate feeling. 100%. The reason why is because this is the biggest thing they've ever gotten to in their life. They don't know they'll live through it. So when it comes down to it, that it's math, and I can tell you this because I used to have to fight and cry and do all the bad things with parents because I didn't get it. I wasn't a good student. I'll just tell you that. It's unfortunate that I didn't learn how to be a good student until college. But I would, I would just fight and cry and do everything. And I, I didn't think I was going to make it through. I thought this will be the end of me. Completely. Until my first semester of college even. I still thought this is the end of me. Now, it's a weird thing to have to, for, for your wife to walk in and find you crying over college algebra. Right? Just doesn't look good. And you think to yourself, this is going to kill me. And she's thinking, no, I'm going to kill you. Right? But you think about it, and I'm not going to make it through this. But when all of a sudden you start to get perspective and you think about God as the author of life and you think this is killing me, I can't do this anymore, I can't take it, allow God to be the author because right now you're sitting there trying to figure out where do I go from here? How do I write the next story? And you have writer's block because you're trying to do it instead of God. Whenever you get writer's block, it's because you yanked the pen out of his hand and you're trying to write your story and you're trying to write yourself out of this problem and you're trying to write yourself through this situation and you're trying to write yourself into the next class, into a better job, into a better relationship, into a better classroom, a better teacher because I can't do this. When in fact, if you take the pen and you give it back to God and you say, here, you do this because I can't figure it out. I've got writer's block. And he says, that was my job in the first place. He says, I'm the author of life. He said, so I wrote your life story. He said, let me keep going. He said, because if I keep going, it's going to be a bestseller. There's going to be people that look to your story and that begin to read it and understand it. And all of a sudden, something starts to happen when you two start a P7 club in Highland High School, that God starts a new chapter. And he says, this is going to be a great one because this one starts with revival. He says, this is going to be a great story because all of a sudden, when you got the Holy Ghost, he says, now, now she's going to be this most incredible kid in the world. And so now I can start to do all this cool stuff with her. And he starts to write these stories that changes not only your world, but all of the worlds around you. Because whenever God writes your story, now it has appeal to it. Not just to you, but to everybody else. Because have you ever noticed, and if the musicians would come, I'm getting ready to close, but have you ever noticed that whenever somebody tells their story, and they, they begin to communicate what happened to them, Something rises up in you, right? That maybe, maybe a friend at school talked about the new fidget spinner that they got. God bless them and their parent. That they got that new fidget spinner. And you're sitting there and you have that fidget spinner in your pocket. And they're like, yeah, I got this and this thing is just so cool. So cool because they're spinning it on their nose. They can spin it with two fingers. They can spin it with one finger. They can flip it up, catch it on their foot. They can do all the weird stuff with it. And the entire time they're telling their story, Part of you is listening. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. And you start to slide your hand in your pocket. You're like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Did you know I have a fidget spinner too? 
right? Because while we're, while we're really intrigued with everybody else's story, we're also very intrigued with our own, as we should be. Because it's our story that has the potential to change somebody else's life. You see, in our text, it said that God's the author and finisher of our faith, but it said that he did so, that he, that he is this, and as he went to the cross with joy. See, he went to the cross with joy that he said, I knew what was coming, and I still did it. Not because I had to, he said, but because I wanted to. And so his story, you've heard that it's the greatest story ever told. It really is. It really is. Because his story changed the history of the world. And it changed you. That Sambo, I remember when you got the Holy Ghost. It's pretty cool. But the only reason that happened is because of his story. And so something starts to happen when your story is written. Silas, Mr. Brock, your stories were written because of his story. The only reason it was written, because even while it makes a great story, even while it's great to watch at Christmas and Easter, all of the plays and everything else, the only reason his story was written was for you. It's the only reason his story was ever written was just because of you, even if you were the only book in his library. And can you imagine God's library? I imagine it looks like this. Books just floating everywhere. And he goes, give me that one. And all of a sudden, he'll grab the story of Kelsey Beard and he'll reach up and he'll grab it and he'll pull it down and he'll start thumbing through it again. Man, that's such a great story. I think she's ready to go again. We, we, wrote, we got through surgery. And can you imagine? God was working two hands that time. He's writing your story with one hand. He's holding on to the hand of the surgeon with the other. He's going, okay, all right, so we've been in surgery 30 minutes. We're doing pretty good. Easy, buddy, all right? And we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Careful, man. I love this kid, all right? And so he starts to write, and he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's my daughter. You better watch it. And he keeps writing. He keeps writing, and finally he writes, and now we're going to sew her up. And she's going to be all right. I'm going to get her back here, and she's going to be taller, and that's okay. He starts to write that story. Every aspect of your life, every part of your story, God's not only written it, but he loves it. See, while his story changed our life, he loves to read and tell about your story because it means so much to him. You know why? Because whenever he wrote your story, it wasn't just another book that he wrote. It wasn't just some other library somewhere else. But in fact, he took it and he wrote your story with the blood that he shed on the cross. And he took the blood and he began to write it. And he said, I loved him this much. He said that I didn't need ink. I didn't need paper. I didn't need anything else. He said, but in fact, he said, I'm going to take a story that's made of flesh and bone and I'm going to begin to write it with my blood so the world knows just how important they are to me. Because whenever the story is written and he begins to write it out and he sketches out every part of your life and nothing takes him by surprise, even though it may feel like sometimes things get off the rails a little bit and you don't always understand it, but every time a new page is turned, every time a new chapter is turned, God's still writing. He says, as long as you stick with me, I'm going to write you into some great things. But you got to stick with me. And the reason why he wants you to stick with him so much is because there's volumes of books waiting to be written 
Every time you walk into the classroom, every time you walk into that elementary school or that primary school, every time you walk into the high school or the college, you see what happens is you're walking into a volume of books that's just waiting to be written. You're waiting. God's waiting. He said there's so many stories here. Because remember, that author's always looking for the next story. And so when that kid walks by and he goes, oh man, they're going to do great things one day, but you got to get them into your story. you got to get them reading your story. He says, because he said, man, this one's so good. I can use them. They've got a mom and dad that they're going to be awesome in the church. They're just going to be good parents in church. And this one over here, if they ever get in, they may, be, they may seem a little rough around the edges, but he says, that's okay. He said, because one day this one's going to preach. This one's going to be a missionary. But he says, your story has to collide with theirs because there's all of these volumes everywhere that you go that God's waiting to write their story let's all stand together you see while we love to tell our story and we love to reminisce there's so many untold stories that are waiting and while today is all about you going back to school, and if you're the perpetual learner, that maybe you're the mom that picks up a book at home. Maybe you're the dad that kind of reads the self-help books so you can fix the plumbing the first time and not the eighth. Whatever the case may be, we're still learners. We're still perpetual learners. And so to all of our learners, to all of our storytellers and storybooks God just wants to write just another portion of your chapter today but I'm going to invite our, our student age first if you guys would come we've got something up here for you